Well, good morning, everyone. I'd like to say again, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all our mothers out there. Uh, you know, isn't it, isn't it odd that we only celebrate mothers like one day out of the year? You know, one day out of 365 days that, uh, that we celebrate mothers, when, when the, all of our lives, they are just 365 days a year, seven days out of the week, they're just pouring themselves into sacrificing themselves for us, just giving up their agendas, their ambitions, you know, their priorities from life, serving in a really self-sacrificial way. I'm always amazed that wherever I go in the world, wherever I travel in the world, I see that mothers everywhere have this inbuilt, intuitive, instinctive sense that their children come first, that, that, that they have to even sacrifice their own priorities, their own ambitions for the sake of their children. And, uh, and I, I think as kids, we, when we're growing up, we are almost completely oblivious to the sacrifice. We have no clue that our moms couldn't, could be doing like a hundred different gratifying, satisfying pursuits and endeavors of any sorts. Instead, they've decided to put our needs first before their own and before their, their own uh, ambitions and that almost daily, hourly sacrifice. You know, and, and what I think what happens is we begin to think that, not, you know, are we not only are we oblivious to this, but the fact that as children we think we actually give our moms significance and purpose. Like, isn't it great? Now they have something to do. Now they get to make our lunches. Now they get to clean up our messes. Now they get to do our laundry. Like before in their life, they really didn't have anything to do. But we like give them purpose. I'm not saying this is right thinking. I'm just saying this is normal and natural thinking of like regular children as they're growing up. Uh, I'll never forget the day when I realized uh, that my mom actually had a life outside of me before I came along. Okay? I was... Uh, I was in the basement. It was a rainy day. I was about nine years old, and I was tooling through uh, some old books that my parents had in the basement. I came across their yearbooks from Carroll University, and I was looking through the pages of their, their Carroll College yearbook, and I turned the page, and I came across this picture, and I saw it was a full-page headshot of my mom, and I was like, that's... My mom, what's she doing there in this yearbook? And then I turned another page and I found out that, you know, here she is again. And she had done all this stuff. She was, she was the hinky honey. That was what she was. That was why she, why she was on the other page, which is like the homecoming queen, you know. And here she's like class secretary and she's like rush chairman for her sorority and she's doing all this stuff. And I'm like, Wow. My mom actually had a life before she had me. Like, you know, that's just how normal nine-year-old kids think. And, and all of a sudden I realized that I had this person in my life who was significant and important and had a story outside of myself. And that if I was attuned to what she had to say, I, she'd actually have something to offer me. I think that Sometimes that's the way it is for us with the Holy Spirit. That we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, 
we're somewhat aware of him as an abstract concept or a theological reality, but the more kind of intimate, personal, real presence of the Holy Spirit on a regular, ongoing, daily, minute-by-minute basis, somehow that aspect of the Holy Spirit is, is, is missed by us. And, and as a result, we actually miss out on this wonderful work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives and wants to produce in our life. Kind of like what we're looking, talking about in the video that they showed up there. And, uh, and so we began our series of just a few weeks ago on the Holy Spirit. We're in week, week three. And we began by talking about that the, the Holy Spirit was the invasion of God's kingdom into our world. That when the Holy Spirit was unleashed upon humanity, the Holy Spirit began to invade and infiltrate people's hearts and began to change them from the inside out and began to to form the realities and the priorities and the attitudes of the kingdom of heaven in people's lives. And, And the Holy Spirit is like a foretaste of what will one day be total reality, the kingdom of heaven. And then last week, Troy talked about that one of the, the primary uh, priorities of the Holy Spirit is to convict, convict us of sin. And to convict us in a way that gets us to push away from sin. Not push away from the Father, but to push away from sin. And today what I want to do is I want to take a look at, at the real work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Because even though the Holy Spirit may encourage us and convict us, we have this nagging sense that not all is completely right inside of ourselves. Inside of, even though we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, even though He convicts and encourages, not everything is, is completely right in our lives. And, and it's, it's not like you ask Jesus to come into your life, you repent of your sin, and it's like, boom, you're a brand new person. You know, you go from being a total and complete jerk to all of a sudden you're really nice at, at everybody at work and your family likes you now and stuff like that. You know, kind of like you remember the, the, the show uh, Complete Home or Extreme Home Makeover where they'd, they'd send the, the, the family away on vacation for a week and then they'd come back to this brand new house. And it's like, wouldn't it be nice if that's the way God worked in our lives? Like Jesus comes into our life and boom, like everything's different. You know, but what I find is that that's not normally how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Usually, normally what the Holy Spirit does is he comes into our life and then he gradually, kindly, kind of slowly begins to make changes and suggest changes. Say, you know, you've got rotted floorboards out here. Do you want do you want me to swap those out? Or you, could, you know you have you have mold growing on your on your drywall here. Are you are you okay with that? Except in our lives, it's not mold on the drywall or rotted floorboards that he wants to change. He wants to change things like our anger, or things like our lust, or things like our codependency in our lives. And he's like, are you are you content to live? Like this, or would you like me to start making changes? And if we're willing to engage in that process, 
then he begins to do his wonderful work in our lives. And so what I want, uh, there's, there's just a hundred other ways that the Holy, the Holy Spirit can gently convict us and reveal to us the things in our lives that he wants to change that are out of line with his kingdom. And over time, he will begin to remake our lives. It, kind of like a master carpenter remakes a home that he's come to live in. And so what I want to do today is I want to turn to one of the foundational passages in the New Testament that kind of outlines and looks at this work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. If you have your Bibles or you have your phones, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible uh, in front of you, you can find that on page 826. And this is an absolutely essential process for us to understand. If we ever want to become those people that God intends for us to become and longs for us to become, then we need to properly understand the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and begin to yield to His authority in our lives. Only then can He begin to produce the fruit, His fruit in us, and make us into the men and women who reflect His nature and His character. We're going to start with Galatians chapter 1. He says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Okay, so the Apostle Paul, he's the guy who's writing this letter. He's writing this letter to a group of churches in the region of Galatia. Galatia is a region, it's not a city, it's in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to all the believers there, and he is evoking classic Old Testament Exodus imagery here. He says, just remember, do you remember the time when the, when the Israelites came out of their slavery in Egypt and they were freed from everything? God put them, take them through the Red Sea. And when they got on the other side, they were totally free from everything that held them in slavery. And he's saying in exactly the same way, you are now free from everything that you were held in slavery to. Now, one of the things that they were held in slavery to was this old system of legal system of trying to be right with God through the things that they did. That they thought that they could gain some sort of acceptance uh, by God and, and be approved by God and be right in God's eyes by doing the right things. And Paul is saying, no, you're, you're freed from that system now. You don't have to worry about that anymore. But they kept on going back to it and wanting to be right with God through the things that they did. It's almost as if you knew, you had a friend who was a Muslim. And this Muslim came to faith in Jesus Christ. He, he or she repented of their sins. They received the forgiveness that Jesus offered. And all of a sudden, they began to think, I still have to pray five times a day facing Mecca. I still have to observe the fast during the month of, of Ramadan. Or God won't be pleased with me. He won't accept me. I, I still have to do the Hajj. And he kept on saying, I have to do all these things to be right with God. And Paul is saying, no, 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 you don't have to do that. In fact, by thinking that way and pursuing those ideas, you're actually minimizing what God did for you in Jesus Christ. And he begins to really unpack this whole thinking in verses 2 through like 22. And so he he tells them, like, listen, you've been free. Don't allow yourselves to go back to that, you know, that yoke of slavery. 
And, he's, and he says in verse 13, he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. He says, you've been called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Now that brings up a whole question of what exactly is the sinful nature? Okay? Now if you have another Bible, or if you look at, on your Bible, there's a footnote in the bottom, and it may use the word flesh. It can also be translated as the flesh. Okay? So now that that's really clear, uh, shall we move on? No, we shan't move on. Because what I find is that people, is that whether you use the word sinful nature or whether you use the word flesh, it is still clear as mud. Okay? The sinful nature, or what the, the Bible, the literal translation refers to as the flesh, is this part of ourselves, this physical body that we carry around with us, that is integrally connected to the fallenness of the world. Okay? Our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose to rebel against God, and in doing so, they unleashed sin and evil upon our world, and everything became corrupted. The environment became corrupted, creation became corrupted, uh, everything, we and our part of everything, certainly humanity became corrupted at that point. And ever since then, every single person is fundamentally, basically, powerfully fallen and broken inside of us. And we now have this natural bent, this propensity to move towards sin, to do the wrong thing, kind of like what they're talking about in the video. That Our natural proclivity now is that the alignment of our lives is now off. You have a car where the alignment is off, right? You can't take your hands off the wheel, right? Because what happens? You go either to the light, right or you go either to the left. And that's what our lives are like now. Our lives are broken. They're bent. Our alignment is off. And we will go in the ditch every time we're given the chance. That's just our natural propensity. That's the sinful nature living inside of us. And so Paul's saying here, he says that we now have this conflict. Verses 16 and 17, he says, So I say... Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Okay? So now, when you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. And now you have two natures living under one roof. You have the old nature... That you were, that's part of this broken system that has its natural propensity and proclivity and tendency to do the wrong thing. But now you have the Holy Spirit coming inside of you. And the Holy Spirit says to you, basically, um, you know, you have the steering wheel of your life. Your natural tendency, your natural proclivity is to go off the road and into the ditch every single time. How about if you let me have a chance? And if we are willing and able to give the steering wheel of our lives over to the Holy Spirit, guess what? The Holy Spirit does a remarkable job of keeping us down the middle of the road if we let Him. 
But Paul says there's a battle, there's a conflict. You do not do what you want. And oftentimes we want to wrestle the control of the steering wheel back from the Holy Spirit and say, no, 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 I'll do it. I can take over from here. And we take over the steering wheel. And guess what? We go off the road again every time. Just like you you set your clock to it. We'll go off to the right or off to the left. We don't have that capacity inside of us to keep our car down the middle of the road. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. This is from an Alfa Romero. You like this? this is, Steve Wirtz got me hooked up with that. And, uh, and so he's, there's, this, there's this conflict that he has, that we have going, going on. We want to wrestle control away. And Paul goes in very specific nature about what this broken alignment looks like. In verses 19 and 20, he says, he says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Okay? Here he gives this whole litany of specific vices and sins which beset people in various ways, each of them having their own kind of unique spin on the general brokenness that we all experience. Well, I'm sure Paul is, he's not giving an entire comprehensive list here. There's aspects of our brokenness that he could have put put on here. This is meant to be fairly representative here of the various ways we can go off the road and into the ditch if we keep driving ourselves. He starts off by saying there's all sorts of sexual sins, okay? Any sexual activity that's Outside of God's intention with, you know, with marriage between a husband and a wife, okay? Then there's idolatry, making anything more important than your life, in your life than the living God. This could be money, this could be position, this could be people's approval of you. There's all sorts of of things that we can put in the place of God in our lives. Now he says witchcraft, a tampering with and a worship of the powers of evil. Something's very, very real and many society. And then he goes into all sorts of sins of the heart and of the attitudes that we have that we struggle with from time to time. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Anyone struggle with any of those here at all? That anyone, anything on that list to kind of strike up to you? Anyone deal with flying off the handle, maybe, or having a short fuse? I don't. (laughs) Until somebody starts going slow in the left lane. Okay? Okay? And then then that becomes a a, a real issue for me, you know? And so, if we're honest, we all struggle with something in this list from time to time. I would submit to you there's not a person here who does not share something on these li- on this list. And so to, to change the metaphor, the, the flesh that Paul is talking about here, the works of the flesh, uh, the sinful nature that we all inhabit is almost like a house. It's, it's the house that we live in. And because we're part of this broken, sinful world, it's far from perfect. Okay? But then in addition to being imperfect, we go through life and people do things to us that further damage our house. And sometimes people who are supposed to love us the most do some of the worst damage to us as people. 
And some of us have been really, really damaged by people. But not only do, are we damaged by, by other people, we do destruction ourselves. We make terrible choices as people. And, and oftentimes the choices we make just do further destruction to the houses that, we've, that we live in. So we've been hurt by others. We've learned some bad coping mechanisms. We've made some destructive choices. And if we're honest, some of our homes might look like this that we have up here. This could be the, the, the metaphorical home of our lives that we're living in. We were born into the sinful nature. We've had people do damage to us and neglect. We've learned some really bad coping mechanisms. We've done some, made some destructive choices. Now, the amazing thing is this, is that if we place our faith in Jesus Christ, He comes in and He comes in and He lives in that. He comes in to live in us. Okay? Now, when Jesus comes to live in us, when we repent of our sins and invite him into our lives, he comes into our life and he doesn't like take it easy and kick back and sit on the sofa. Okay? He comes in and he wants to make changes. Substantive changes to our life. And so he begins by pointing things out to us. Okay? He's, he's like, a, you know, he might start out with some of the obvious stuff. He, he's like saying, like, you, you know that your lights don't work in here? Would you like me to swap out some of the light bulbs in here so you have working light? Or, or, you know, are you just okay stumbling around in the dark? And if we consent, he's happy to help us swap that out. Maybe he wants us to deal with some of the bitterness in our lives. The, re, the resentment that you may be holding against your ex or maybe against your parents. Maybe he's going to address and talk to you about your internet porn habit. Or maybe he wants to talk to you about your codependency or your anxiety, okay? I, I don't know what it is, okay? But I know he's going to start somewhere because Jesus doesn't come into your life to keep it the same. Okay? Jesus comes into your life and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to make substantive changes for the better and to begin to grow his fruit in people's lives, which is what Paul describes in verses 22 to 23 here. He says, these are some great, great verses. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control okay against such things there is no law and so jesus comes into the mess of our lives and he begins to say hey you know that old you know matted down tattered carpeting that you have there the coffee stains on it he says how about if we rip that out how about we rip that out and 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 put in some new stuff put in some brand new stuff how would we rip out some of that bitterness that you have in your life and, and replace it with some joy? How about, how about we rip out some of, some of the anxiety that you're having in your life and, and replace it with, with real, true peace and contentment? And sometimes if we're willing, he's more than happy to help us do that. But, but oftentimes we're, we're not willing. We're like... No, that carpeting's fine. I've lived with it for 20 years. 
And it suits me well. My anger works very well for me. It's how I keep people in line. Okay, it's how I control my family. Okay, I don't, I don't want that part ripped out of my life. And Jesus, in the form of the Holy Spirit, because he's humble, and like we said before, he's a gentleman, he says, okay, you want to live with that carpeting? Go right ahead. And he won't force himself on anybody. And then maybe we get to the point where we're so sick and tired of ourselves and pushing everybody who we love away in our lives. And we get to the point where we are absolutely distraught. We might be ready to then ask him again. He comes to us again and says, you know, what do you think? Do you think you're ready to change it out now? We might be in a posture of saying, yeah, now I think I'm ready. Now, I never said any of this was going to be easy, okay? Having your interior world kind of dismantled and put back together with new ethics and new behaviors, new attitudes is hard work. It is, it's painful to be constantly facing the underside of yourself, okay, all the time. In verse 24, he says, he says this, that, that he says, put to death, or those who belong to, the, to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature, that part of us that's, that's broken, okay, with his passions and desires. Crucifixion is not a pleasant process, okay? It's a painful process, okay? And, you know, when we constantly are saying yes to the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to be that guy anymore, I don't want to be that woman anymore, that's crucifying the flesh, crucifying the sinful nature. But if we're able to learn this habit and this rhythm of saying yes to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to make changes in our lives, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Several years ago, we were doing a um, Good Friday service at the uh, Washington County Fairgrounds. We were setting up like 500 chairs. It was going to be a big event. So there's, cause it's kind of all hands on deck. And um, so I was, I was setting up some tables um, with my friend Scott Cole, and, uh, and we were doing some work. And, and all of a sudden, this wiry guy, you know, full of muscle came up and said, Hey, do you want some help moving that? And we're like, uh, yeah, sure. And so he begins to help us out. And this smallish guy does the work of about three men. And, uh, and Kurt, or my, my friend Scott, looks at him and he says, Wait, he says, is your name Kurt Williams? And he says, that's what my mama calls me. And he says, he says, I think I played pool with you in Allenton, at a bar in Allenton. Is that? And he says, there's an awful good chance that that happened, yes. You know. And then off he went. The quickly he came and he was gone. And then Scott turns to me and he goes, that guy has been kicked out of every bar in Washington County. He is... He is, uh, he, I've seen him take on biker gangs. That I've seen him beat up guys that are three times his size. I mean, he's just destructive and angry. He used to be one of the angriest, orniest guys around. And I'm like, he seems pretty nice to me. You know? And what happened is what I want to tell you about. I want to invite up my friend, Kurt Williams. Kurt, come on up here. I'm going to have him tell you a story. Kurt, the... Uh, The other microphone's right over there. You'll need that. So Kurt 
Why don't you come and let us know a little bit, what was your interior world like uh, before? What was the house that you were in? Oh, no. Uh, I thought we were going to be talking about alligator wrestling. No. Kurt, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, another sermon for no, another illustration for another sermon. Okay. All Have right. a seat. All right. <laughs> describe describe your, your, kind of your home that you were living in before Jesus came in. It was not nearly as nice as the house that was shown earlier. Hmm. Um, my house was very, very small. Uh, the windows were painted black from the inside so that no one could see in. Uh, because if they could see in, they would see me. And uh, I didn't want anyone to see me. Uh, I had guard dogs outside, uh, roaming freely, uh, very vicious dogs uh, that were a part of me, my defense system, that would attack anything that was deemed uh, a threat. And everything was a threat in my world. So I attacked everything. Um, there was no furniture uh, because I had no friends, really. Uh, no one really wanted to be around me, so there was no need for furniture because no one was going to come over. Uh, I would sleep on the floor, which is dirt, uh, because that's where I belonged. Mm-hmm. So, Kurt, kind of describe the process of how Jesus came into your life and what did, what did the Holy Spirit then begin to do in your life? Well, uh, because of my drinking and drugging, I had pretty much isolated myself from everyone that, w- that was important. Uh, family, God, most importantly. Um, so that process of trying to reintroduce myself to the world uh, was very difficult. Uh, at first, I had to get off the uh, alcohol and drugs. Hmm. I had to stop fighting and which I asked uh, God to uh, relieve me of that desire to fight, Hmm. uh, which he did. But I forgot to mention, take away my anger also. Uh, So I I was very involved in recovery, very involved in the service structure of it for about seven months, and still was kind of keeping God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit back here because I didn't really understand them. I was afraid of them, actually. Uh, and after seven months of doing all these wonderful things, you know, like not drinking, more wonderful things like not doing drugs, and more wonderful things like not beating up people, I thought that I deserved uh, gifts, you know. Like uh, God's favor. Yeah, right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of deserved it, you know. I, mean, I wasn't hurting people anymore. Physically, um, I didn't have a job, didn't have a car. I was being evicted from the apartment I was living in because I didn't have a job to pay rent. Uh, it was the middle of winter, and I uh, had nowhere to go, nowhere safe place to land. And I was angry at God, and I pushed him away. And then after two weeks of walking around, very, very afraid. Because I thought, yeah, God's not going to let this one slide. I told him he was no good. Mm-hmm. The angry you know, God. He's going to bring the smite, hammer down. Smite you. 
Yes, yeah, because that's the God that I understood. Mm-hmm. And uh, the night before I was to be kicked out, there was a snowstorm going on, and I was kneeling down on the floor in the apartment where I was getting kicked out of, and reflecting on everything that was going on, everything I, I had done, and how nothing had worked out the way I had planned. And uh, I was crying. Because I realized that I was failing me. Nothing that I was doing was working out. wasn't making a difference. And uh, with tears in my eyes, I humbly said, God, please help me. That very moment, yeah. Give the steering wheel over to... Gave it over to God. Mm. Because I can't... My, my results were horrible. And uh, in that, the, moment, the moment that the words passed my lips, there was no hesitation. I was enveloped like in a really warm hug. Mm. Covered my entire body. And deep, deep within, I heard this gentle yet commanding voice together we can overcome anything Mm -hmm. I was not meant to be doing this by myself Mm -hmm. I had a partner I had someone that had my back so at some point then you you got connected with this fellowship and Jesus and the Holy Spirit became more real to you yeah, uh, I didn't. I didn't really understand Jesus or the Holy Spirit, you know, because I wasn't. I wasn't reading the Bible. I wasn't going to church. I was. <clears throat> I still only wanted just a sliver of knowledge because I was afraid mm-hmm. of letting go, <clears throat> letting go control. Because I thought, well, what if, you know, what if he decides to make me a monk up on a mountaintop? <laughs> you know. I probably deserved it, too, you know. Shave the head, give you a robe. You're, you are unfit for human habitation. Go there. Yeah. Be well. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, uh, so eventually, uh, I, I felt really alone. I needed something that I wasn't getting from people. I wasn't getting from my recovery groups. Uh, I wasn't getting from being out in nature and just hunting and trying to figure it all out on my my own. Hmm. Uh, So uh, I started going to church again, and I started coming to this this place. They they met at a high school, which I thought was really silly for a church to be meeting at a high school. And I'd seen the signs for years, I thought, what kind of church meets there, you know? Strange kind. Oh, yeah, really? And, um, but I thought I should give them a chance. So, uh, first I went up to the Kewaskum site, and uh, Mike was speaking that morning, and uh, I didn't really feel comfortable there. So then I came to the West Bend site the next week to give it a second chance, because I had been given so many second chances. And uh, Troy was speaking, and... Uh, I felt really moved. I thought, you know, I can learn something here, which means that I was actually starting to become more humble. 
because I thought I knew it all. And that's really important, that I don't know anything, really. Yeah. So how has the Holy Spirit begun to change you now on a, like a regular, ongoing basis? What does that look like for you, and what have you seen him do? Uh, well, um, through uh, Bible study groups and through being able to serve here at the church, uh, I, 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 I can't tell you about, I can't really openly or accurately describe the peace, the peace and the happiness, uh, which I was searching for for so long, um, and the strength. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and God have all been so powerful in my life. I haven't uh, drank or used drugs since 1980. Uh, I haven't been in a physical fight since like 1981 or 82. Mm. Uh, September 22nd of last year, I was able to quit smoking through uh, the power of Jesus Christ, the Holy Amen. Spirit, and God. Um, and he's not done. You know, he's not done because there's a lot more. Yeah. You know, I, I still get angry. You know, yeah, those left laners, right? <laughs> I'm telling you. God loves them. God yeah. loves them. Yeah, yeah. I knock out, I've, I got one of those little Jesus uh, statues, you know, yeah. the guy that's like, hey, yeah. Yeah. right on my dash, right where it lines up with the left laners. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, I see them and I see Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, I need to pray for these people. Which is. So, we are, uh, <laughs> so you, sounds like you, just like the rest of us, are still a work in progress. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, yeah I, I will never be completely right. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet, like you said, mm -hmm. Jesus comes in mm -hmm. to where I'm at, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, just incredible that he would love me, that yeah. he would do everything that he did yeah. for me. And it's not just for me. It's, it's for each and every one of you, yeah. you know, which is incredible. Thanks, Kurt. Yeah. Kurt used to be really, really angry, and now he's just like the biggest hugger that I know. <laughs> you know? So if, if you're willing to engage in this process of cleaning up house that, that the Holy Spirit wants for each one of us, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, it is true that... If you're dysfunctional before you became a Christian, you're dysfunctional after you became a Christian. If you're broken before you've decided to follow Jesus, you're still broken after you decide to follow Jesus. But the thing is that Jesus comes into our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit, and little by little, one by one, he begins to point things out in our lives and says, Would you like me to swap that out? Would you like to swap out your anger for some love? Would you like to swap out some anxiety for peace? Would you like me to swap out some of those addictions for real freedom? Those are the, the things that God wants to do in each and every one of us. And if we're willing to engage in that process, one day our, our home may end up going like, looking like that on the left, to looking like that on the right in our lives. And, and people may bump into you after not seeing you for years and say, wow, I just, I love the changes. You know, I, I, love, I love the new you. And, and you get that opportunity then 
to say, you know, it's, I, I didn't do any of this. I didn't do any of this at all. This, this is all because of the work of Jesus in the Holy Spirit in my life. And then he gets the credit and he gets the honor and he gets the praise. Let me just pray for all of us. Father, boy, we are all acutely aware that we're a work in progress. Some of us live in some really damaged homes. We've taken hits. We've made terrible choices. But yet, Lord, if we've, if we've chosen to follow you, you humbly come in and live in our mess. You choose to live inside of each one of us. But thankfully, you don't choose to just come in and do nothing. You choose to make changes. You choose to lovingly, gently point out things that aren't honoring to you, that, that hurt others around us, that, that aren't good for us, that don't reflect your kingdom. Lord, my prayer for each one of us here is that when you point those things out to us, we could say, yes. Yes, Lord, do whatever it takes. I want to engage in this process. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that woman any longer who hurts my spouse, who neglects my kids. I want to be someone who reflects your character, your nature, the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I want all those things to be a part of my life. If you just, if you want that to be a part of your life right now, I just want you to, where you're at, just whisper these words. Yes, Lord. Say it there now. Yes, Lord. I want these to be a part of my life. I want to be more loving. I want to be more gentle. I want to have peace in my life. I want to be joyful. Would you please work your fruit in my life? May I have the opportunity someday to point back to you and give you all the credit you deserve. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.